Triple M's Real Football Show. Where Chris Dittmar, Albie Kidd and Val Migliaccio discuss the biggest issues affecting fans of the round ball. Terrific run and a super finish. The Triple M Real Football Show. Oh, I changed the lineup this week. A few uh, sackings and a few have been brought in. <laughs> Albie Kidd's on a yacht in the Witch Sundays. Cotte has gone to Sydney United. We've lost her. Sydney FC. Well, she's not there Sydney just FC. yet. But, Sydney uh, FC. Yeah, we have lost her. All right. Yeah, and Johnny comes in. Welcome, Johnny. Thanks, Dad. It's good to have you back as well. He uh, puts this show together every week. Hey, uh, Tony Vidmar will join us on The Real Football Show on the back of the Socceroos beating Vietnam. Mm. And also we'll talk to Bo Bush from uh, the Players Association about the new collective bargaining agreement. Interesting stuff. Uh, before we do, uh, in my absence last week... You had Simon Hill on the show, which is great. We all know he has to be calling the action here in Australia. He's the best caller, Mm. um, and I'm glad that they've made that decision. However, I just want to ask you about coverage in this country now. I had frustration in recent, or I have had in recent days, with NPL TV. But that's just one. You've got to be a genius to work it out. Was that because of the app? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So I wanted to get it on the TV. I can see it on my phone. I've got an app. Easily get it on my phone. Try watching it on your TV at home. Well, see, I have no issues at all. I love it. Yeah, I think how, it's one of the best things. I'm 27. Yeah, well, I'm 57. <laughs> so I've got well, no idea. And and I speak for everyone my age and, and in that vicinity. We Technology, it should be easier than that. Well, I, I have no issue. I have it on my phone. I've actually played it on my laptop, on the TV, all at the same time, watching three different games, and I have no issues at all. But I do see where you're coming from because my dad, he's in his 60s, and uh, he does have a little bit of issues occasionally getting it on the TV or whatever. It should be easier. It has to be easier than that if they want us all to watch it. Well, how do you get it on the TV? How do because you get it? Because I'm in Chris. I, can't, I cannot stream MPL TV to a TV. Well, on the TV, um, we've got a smart TV. So we have... So, so what? Yeah, so we have... A, um, you can access the like a Safari or something. So you can go on there and write in your address, whatever address you want to go on the website. So I'll put in MPL.TV. Yeah comes up on there, click on whatever game I want, log in, and it's all ready to That's go. That's brilliant. But you give that to a guy who's mm. not tech yeah. savvy. Or you can you think they're it as go, well. You know, www.mpltv.com, go through the whole process. When now they can go to the TV, they've come home from work or whatever, mm. they're tired, this is men and women, well, remote control, on you go, bang, you watch. You've, you've mentioned, you've said Chromecast and Safari. You might as well be talking Japanese. To me. I, don't, I, don't, no, I'm, I don't know what you're talking it is about. Ridiculous. So that's my point, Johnny. I've got yeah. to be able to turn the TV on and go, oh, NPL's on beauty. Well, hopefully it'll get to that because a few years ago we had no NPL TV. They started streaming on Facebook, then it moved to NPL TV. You can watch games in Victoria, New South Wales, South Australia, Queensland. It's great. So hopefully the next stage after this could be TV, and hopefully that's where it goes. If if there happens to be a six-year-old walking past my lounge room at the time, they can hook it up for me, <laughs> and they do. And therefore, when I get to see it, I think it's outstanding. You, you've made a good point. The fact that we can now see it is great. Yep. Please make it easier for the general population. But that's not the only thing. I mean, I wanted to watch the Socceroos on Tuesday night, and I'm, I'm okay with technology. I'm mm. not too bad. But to find the actual station where they were playing... Yep. Was a nightmare. Yep, it was on ten bowls. So it, I think because of the time thing, after nine thirty, it was in the eastern states, all on channel ten, prime time. But on uh, in the Western Australia, Northern Territory, and South Australia, all on ten bold. For me, that was easy. You're saying you're having a bit of issues. What issues? Ten well, bolts free to air, isn't it? That's free to air. Yeah, no, I couldn't find it on the you smart you couldn't find TV. It. So on the smart TV, I couldn't find ten bold. We're scrolling through, got Fox yep. and all that. Mm. This morning, I got up to watch the Euro. Fesh wasn't working. So I'm on my phone trying to stream it through Chromecast yep. to watch the Italian. It's just an incredible nightmare at the moment. Well, it, technology. It is. I used to watch the EPL on um, on Foxtel, so I could just switch over, mm. 
watch all the different games. Now when you're watching Optus Sport, I do get it. You want to flick over, you've got to go on the app, go back, wait for it to load, wait for the ads to play before it starts playing. So it is mm. a little bit tricky, mm. but uh, I do I do love it though. I think it's, it's great to have it all in our hands. All right. What have we learned from Simon Hill and uh, his cohorts? What will the coverage be like with 10? I think it's going to be good. Yeah, but is it going to be easy? Will it be accessible? Oh, it will be accessible for sure. Well, before, I never knew where the Socceroos were playing on free-to-air because FIFA had that law in place where every game for the Socceroos and Matildas, a certain amount has to be on free-to-air as well. And even though the rights were on Foxhill, they had to on-sell it to a free-to-air broadcaster. And I never knew if it was on Fox, on SBS, Channel 10, Bold or whatever. Hmm. But now it's all in one place on Channel 10, or on bold if it's not in prime time in the state. It's all part of the anti-siphoning laws. But, uh, yeah, it's just there's so many avenues now to watch football. And you, you need yeah. different boxes, different subscriptions. And who's got enough money now to go pay for a game of football at a stadium to see it live? Yeah. If you've got $200 worth of subscription a month just to watch EPL, Champions League, oh. Socceroos, <laughs> A-League, These poor guys have got families. They can't afford to go to the stadiums. The one one thing I like about Paramount Plus, they've made it affordable for football fans as well because if you're an Adelaide United member or Sydney FC member, you can add it on for as little as $70 a year for a 12-month subscription. Mm. It's great. I thought it was fantastic. $17. $70 for a full-year subscription. So you're saving about $40. Joining us now on The Real Football Show is the CEO of the Professional Footballers Australian Association, Bo Bush. Now, Val, I'm hearing about a new CBA, Collective Bargaining Agreement. Five years in a minute. It's taken actually a long, long, long time to get this one together because of obviously Fox Sports has dropped out of the running and, yep. and it's relying on the TV dinner now. Paramount okay. Plus and 10 are right. in there. But Bo Bush, the man who's put it all together or part of it at least, he joins us now and explain what exactly is going to happen now. Welcome to The Real Football Show, Bo. Thank you, guys. Wonderful uh, wonderful to be on, and you're certainly absolutely right there, Val. It's been a hell of a journey. I think I was appointed to the role with uh, Kate about 18 months ago. It feels like about 15 years ago, <laughs> but in that space, I think we've done three three domestic league CBAs and had to rejig the national teams one as well. So yeah. it's certainly... To be able to get a five-year deal, we're really pleased with, and I think the players, uh, yeah, are over the moon. If not for all the great conditions that we've been able to secure and the increases and those sort of things, but they won't have to look at me on Zoom for a period of time as well too, which I think <laughs> is a, uh, a wonderful, a wonderful outcome for them in the short term. All right. So, what are the keys to it? Tell us the main bullet points. Yeah, the main the main thing we did, which everybody would know on this call, but it was really challenging financial position that the game found itself in. So we focused really hard on the conditions. We saw that through our pretty extensive consultation with players, there was often big sort of discrepancies from clubs to clubs, also from the W League to the A League. So we focused really heavily on the workplace standards. And for the first time, there'll be really comprehensive workplace standards that look at things like the accommodation players playing, staying rather. The, um, let's look at things like the food that's afforded to them on an away trip, the number of physios that they need to employ, all those sort of vital things that make up a high-performance environment. We've been able to make sure that they're actually built in for the CBA for the first time, but also critically, which is very different than previously, we've been able to make sure that whatever is afforded to the A-League players has to be afforded to the W-League players. So there's genuine parity in those workplace standards. Mm. And at the same time, we've also been able to secure some increases to minimum wages, to the salary cap floor, and some more flexibility around the salary cap. 
so that our cops can invest more as well. All right. What I'm hearing here, Bo, is cha-ching, cha-ching. Now, how has the sport, how has the sport responded to this? Who will pay for it? How will it all be paid for? Because none of yeah, us are no, denying that these aren't key elements. You have to have these in there, but it has to be paid for as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've got what we wanted to do was align it with the broadcast deal. So it's aligned with that five years, which you guys put up at the, at the start is a really critical part of the most recent sort of months of being able to secure, I guess, the biggest funder of the sport through the broadcast partner. So that's going to be a key role in this. But also importantly, what we wanted to do was be able to get compounding wins. So as Val sort of remarked at the start, we've had a huge period of uncertainty here and that's compounded to put the game in a more difficult spot. We've had short-term broadcast deals, uncertainty over the unbundling. Um, then we had all the uncertainty and pretty challenging negotiations regarding the extension last year. Now we've got this sort of platform where we've got a five-year broadcast deal, a five-year CBA, and I think we've got the certainty that we'll allow people to invest with more confidence. And we're hoping that we've been able to create conditions where that investment will be rewarded, there'll be more value in clubs, in licences, and also importantly in players' careers as well. I've noticed too the salary cap is going to increase to 2.6 within the five-year period. I mean, is this eventually going to see the end of the cap, that's one. And the other thing too, because I don't think TV money is going to be covering the cap in this new deal, is there going, are we going to see a gap in, in, in the pay scale? Say for a big club like Western Sydney, who've got plenty of cash, say compared to Adelaide United, will, will this happen now? There has been historically for a period of time now, Val. There's no getting away from that. We've had periods of time where, Sydney FC invested in someone like Del Piero. Yeah. And the significant investment in that meant that the player payments at Sydney FC at the time was, say, a long way ahead of Central Coast. Yeah. Now, there is more flexibility now around the cap. There's also, importantly, more flexibility regarding things like scholarship players. So before you could only contract nine, now you can contract up to 16. Wow. And we'll see these clubs like Mariners, Adelaide, that traditionally have been able to produce really good young players they'll actually be able to tie these young players down now. They won't have to just put them on NYL contracts. So the hope is they will become more incentivised to produce young players, but also importantly be able to tie them down as well. So definitely you're right. The bigger clubs will be able to invest more, but it's important that we didn't hold them back as well, that they are encouraged to do so because that will grow the league. But there is more flexibility around things, as I said, scholarship payments, more flexibility around loyalty and those sort of things that these clubs will be able to invest as well. And the hope is as the value of the league goes up, so too will the value of these individual clubs. And importantly as well too for Mariners, we're going to be on free-to-air TV as well. So the value of these clubs and the commercial opportunity for them should increase at the same time as well. Yeah. What, What I have found annoying over the last few years is, you know, with regards to scholarship players, even, you know, NYL players coming from academy teams, say from the A-League, are getting 50 bucks a week. Scholarship mm. players are being released right at the end of the season and then recontracted three months later so a club can save $1,000 or whatever it is in the payment. Mm-hmm. The W League, the women are contracted for three months and they've got a, they're out on their own. And, and we usually have Corte Maria, Jose Royas in the studio, out on their own trying to, trying to make a living for themselves and and she's a chilean international big name but really struggling i mean how can we sort of stop all this happening because in my opinion a lot of these players are getting used and abused yeah no you're absolutely right val that dynamic regarding the y league i'll answer that question first 
of players that are essentially contracted on an amateur status, but they're almost being, um, I guess, demanded in many ways to be able to train with the first team yeah. full-time and they want the opportunity. So they're placed in a really difficult position. The hope is now that there is more flexibility for clubs to be able to contract those young players and pay them a decent decent wage. There's also an incentive built into the scholarship contracts now that in the event a scholarship player plays 10 matches in the A-League, then they'll have to be upgraded to the equivalent of the minimum wage of an A-League contracted player. So that's an important incentive now that will hopefully stop some of that behaviour. As well, I think as well too, the idea of getting scholarship players up to that 16 was to lay a bit of a platform to be able to rebuild the Y League into a fully sort of functioning competition. So it's sort of phase one, I guess, on that point. And if we're able to address that competition design aspect of the Y League, I think we'll start seeing those sort of practices move into the past. And in relation to the W League, we are going to see some expansion. So that's going to mean more rounds, more teams, those things to the competition as well, which is encouraging. But there's still, we're still going to have that tension until we get to full-time professionalism, that tension of a shortened season with clubs that want to prepare for longer, players that want to be in more regularly as well. So we're going to have yeah. to continue to work at that, absolutely. Boats, Johnny here. The, you're going to have the introduction of two designated players, which clubs are allowed to spend between three hundred and $600,000 each. Um, is this on top of the already uh, included marquee players? Correct, yeah. So they'll be in addition. So in this first season, it will be one, but we have to move to up to two by year three of the deal. Okay. But yeah, it is on top of marquee players, correct. Bo, uh, sorry, Val's got a, a final yeah, question just, for you. Bo, you know what I'd like to see the end of? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, it, and this is another beef of mine. Lately, we're getting so many Visa players that I think do not contribute at all to the A-League, the standard of it. They're no names. The, the, we've got kids, young players, just as good. But I don't know how to police this. How are you going to stop clubs from doing that? I mean, and we referred to Del Piero, you know, Dwight, York. They're the type of players we want to see. I can answer that. Bo, you go first and then I'll give you my answer. I know what it is. No Sorry. worries. That's always a, always a risky risky strategy, isn't it, going first? But um, but, <laughs> in, <laughs> but, in, but in terms of this, look, it's, it's a real challenging one, like, to be able to put regulation around this to say that, and we've seen this around the world, that you must bring in a foreign player that's played at X, Y, and Z yeah. level, the, the clubs aren't afforded the opportunity to be able to then um, recruit as they see fit. And you may find a real gem. So I often refer to a good friend of mine, Terry McFlynn. Yeah. Would he have fitted into the category of what most of us would look at at the CV when he came out to this country. But look at the amazing contribution that he's made as well. So I think sometimes there are some challenges. We all want to see great players in this league and we want to see our young players emerge as well too. But I think there would be a number of problems that would come out of the system where we did put too much regulation around the foreign players that came into the league. All right. Now my answer to that question, Val. (laughs) The people associated with clubs on the take. That is why we're what? seeing people... What do you mean, what? Don't look at me like that. The people associated with clubs, backhanders, because we we attract a certain player from a certain country who's managed by a certain person, and that is what's happening. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to rub that out of the game, then keep going and keep getting these 40-year-old blokes broken down hacks out of South America and wherever, that instead of promoting a young local... I actually boy, believe you, but we can't prove it, can we? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, and then then let it keep happening. No, I'm so I've, I've seen it for Bo. You, you're sitting there quiet, and that's fine. But you know, I've seen it firsthand, and I think a lot of us have. We all know it goes on. Boom. There you We're go. going to blow Look, this pot that's up. That's the answer to that question. <laughs> I think in terms of you know what you said, they want to recruit old guys. I'm ready to make a comeback, and I'm happy to. <laughs> to put the boots on again, but I don't think anyone in the A-League wants to see that. But I think, look, in, in terms of we're fortunate to have, um, through FIFA, the Global Players Association, a huge amount of connection with other player associations around the world. And what I would say is there's certainly every league does deal with governance challenges. That's certainly not something that I've experienced as in my time associated in the A-League at all. Um, but I think as the competition grows, there's always going to be recruitment mistakes at different times. We've all made them in any walk of life that we've um, worked in, whether that's in hospitality or whatever, where things don't work out for a number of reasons. But I think what we've seen in the last year is a lot of the clubs getting more decisions right than wrong, and we've seen the emergence yeah. of some really great young talent. And I think that, again, this year will be something that we're all really excited about. And we saw at the Olympics just how talented our young players are and that we shouldn't put any limits on what these young men and women can go and achieve internationally. And we're at a really exciting position where our female players are going directly from our competition to the biggest leagues in the world, which is absolutely wonderful. And we're seeing some of our talented young players that are going and doing well in Europe straight away after leaving our shores. So I think from that point of view, the proof is sort of in the pudding now and the clubs are certainly seeing the benefits and in investing in youth and giving more opportunity in that space as well. Bo, thanks so much for joining us, mate, and good luck with the introduction of this new CBA. Well done. No worries. Thanks, guys. There he is, Bo Bush, the CEO from the Professional Footballers Australian Association here on The Real Football Show. Of course means an empty meet-in stadium. A bonus, you could say, for the Socceroos, given it's hot and humid. And the Vietnamese fans, of course, are a pretty passionate bunch as well. Adam Taggart and Riley McGree, again they'll swing it back towards Ryan Grant who is furthest forwards and Australia have the goal that they craved. Ryan Grant with a collector's item, his first for his country. Hong Hong Dui just clocked off momentarily and the kid from Canoundra gives the soccer. Yeah, Socceroos beat Vietnam 1-0 in Hanoi and the assistant coach Tony Vidimar joins us on The Real Football Show. Tony, what a good win. Uh, hi, Chris. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, tough, uh, a tough game, but uh, uh, important three points to uh, continue, continue on our way. Just, uh, Vidi, I know you weren't there. We'll talk about that in a second. But I've, I've, on social media, I'm on social media, you know what annoyed me a lot is... The, all the critics are coming out and saying it was a terrible performance, yada, 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 but not taking into account COVID for one, the assistant coaches weren't there too, the actual pitch was a complete Cow nightmare. Paddy. Yeah. Cow paddock, it's been called. Right, humidity. So how important and how good was the win? Well, I think firstly, Val, you've got to get off social media. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Very good. I didn't jump in. Good advice. <laughs> No, nah, look, it's uh, yeah, look, it's it's easy to uh, to comment from, uh, from from watching the game here, but uh, yeah, hundred percent what you said. It's uh, thirty degrees, eighty percent humidity. The pitch uh, wasn't in; uh, it was terrible. It wasn't in great condition in, in to play. Uh, also, you, you've got to give credit to Vietnam. They went with a game plan of having everyone behind the ball and trying to. Um, 
catch us uh, you know on the counter attack because you know we wanted to to go out there and and take the game to uh, to Vietnam uh, and you're always going to have uh, moments like that where teams have that opportunity to uh, to catch you on the counter um, and uh, and look and that's uh, and that's the game and uh, look good or bad performance um, you know you go there get three points and I think uh, hopefully Vietnam can uh, make it difficult for the other teams going to uh, to Vietnam. Absolutely. Now, where did you watch the game from because you weren't there and, and were you active and actually coaching from long distance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was at, at home uh, uh, watching it uh, in the uh, in the lounge room and uh, now I had um, communication with um, uh, some of the staff there on uh, as the assistant coach my role is uh, working on set pieces for and set pieces against so kind of looked at uh, all the footage from from the Vietnam game and China game and uh, working ways where they're they're dangerous and where we can uh, catch them on, uh, on on scoring them tell us about the young fellow that scored uh, I haven't heard much about him over the journey don't know a lot about him He's not that young He's not that young. No, no exactly. He's uh, look. He's been. Uh, I, I think he's been probably in the A League from uh, from from day dot. Yep. Um, and um, he's uh, he's he's taken his opportunity. He's been in the national setup for the last few years. Uh, and uh, yeah, look, he was the the only A League player who put up his hand, who was prepared to uh, come and play those games. And uh, um, he, he he played well and. He was in the right place at the right time, and it's always uh, good for um, for uh, other players to uh, to get on the score sheet. Now, just on that point, I heard the coach comment on that after the game as well. He, he was praiseworthy and said, as you just did, the only bloke from the A League to put his hand up. What's what's the story there? What's the situation? Are we are we suggesting that young boys in our league in Australia aren't prepared to actually put on the green and gold? Is that what that means? Oh, look, I, I think it's it has more to do that once they. Um, flew out to to the games, and then they would have to uh, to return. They would have to go into hotel quarantine. Yeah. And I think uh, the players previously who were with us in in Kuwait had to do that. They they didn't uh, enjoy it, and I and I can totally understand that being in, uh, in in hotel quarantine myself. So I don't think the players were uh, prepared to to do that. And again, you know, they're. Uh, um, you can you can look at it both ways. You know they're elite sportsmen. You know they should do it, but then also they come back for 14 days in a hotel and and you you you're, you're stuck. So yeah. uh, you kind of you kind of lose lose you know you lose your fitness, but also it's uh, it's it's not easy being in the, in that situation. Just Vidi, how did you cope? Because you did a month coming out of the Tokyo Games. You're telling us two weeks in Sydney, two weeks in Adelaide. What does it do to your head? You know your headspace. Uh, yeah, it uh, definitely plays plays with it. Um, it's not ideal. You um, you know you're sitting in a shoebox, um, and you can't really get out. Um, and, and that's and that's the thing that we're, we're all used to. We're not we're not used to being boxed up. Um, mm. You, you, you want to be able to get out and and get some fresh air. And 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 I think the hard part was <clears throat> when we went to uh, Kuwait for the Socceroos. You know, when we were in uh, our first camp in Dubai, we weren't really allowed to go out, stay in the hotel. When we went to uh, Kuwait for those 16, 17 days, we basically were stuck inside, can only go out for training. And we trained in the evening, 
because it was uh, so hot there. Uh, so we hardly we didn't see any uh, any sunlight for uh, for sixteen days. Gee, that's not so. Good. You know, you're away for you know we're I was away for seventy plus days, sixty plus days of PCR testing under you know uh, rigorous uh, forms of not being able to go out into the community. So we're kind of you know you're stuck in that situation. So uh, I can understand that for the rest of those players who had to come back to Australia in that uh, situation. And some some people deal with it better than others. Tony, it's Johnny here. Um, the Socceroos haven't played home in almost two years now, and there's talk that uh, the FA are trying to get him back in for the next two home games in October and November. What's the likelihood, likelihood of this happening? Because I heard they might want to put tracking devices on players that come into the country. Yeah, that's the that's what uh, what what I've heard as well. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I think uh, the current situation in in New South Wales isn't uh, isn't improving. Um, I know they were pushing to uh, to get the first games in September, uh, the first game against China here in, in Sydney, but it didn't eventuate. Uh, it's a difficult one. I, I, I don't know, uh, and I'm not really in, in the place to, to, to comment on, on that, and we just have to wait and see. Obviously, playing from home is not really hurting you because you've got 10 wins in a row, all in World Cup qualifiers and all the way from home. How's um, Do you reckon you can extend that to 11? Uh, we'll be trying, that's for sure. Um, we've got uh, Oman and, and Japan, uh, and again, you, you know, you're in the final phase of qualifiers. It's uh, every game is going to uh, to be difficult. Um, yeah, look, ideally, you'd like to play Oman in in Australia, uh, but I think uh, the players have got uh, a fantastic uh, mindset that uh, doesn't matter where we play, we're going to uh, go out there and and, and win each game. Hey, uh, Vinny, before you leave us, your brother had a bit of success last week as well. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, started the, uh, the season in uh, Bangkok uh, pretty good with the uh, the Super Cup starting off the uh, competition. They won that, so uh, that was a uh, a great start for him. So, uh, no, he's going well. Um, the next, uh, they're in the next round of the Champions League. Yep. So, uh, nah, things are going well there for him. Any chance of seeing a duet on the bench? I think he had a brief stint here at Adelaide, but any chance of, you know, number one? Who's going to be number one? Who's going to be number two if it happens, mate? Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. You never, you never know. Ah, look, you know, th- things like that could uh, can, can happen, but uh, uh, we'll see. We'll see if that uh, opportunity uh, presents itself. Good on you, mate. Thanks for joining us, Vidi. Uh, well done to the Socceroos. And, yeah, as... Uh, Johnny just said, let's hope you can keep that winning streak going. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. There he is. Tony Vidmar here on The Real Football Show. Just when you think you've seen it all in the game, the match is then stopped by Brazilian authorities after seven minutes. This was an extraordinary series of events. Brazil taking on Argentina in Common Bowl qualifying. Of course, this was the big game of the day, a game that eventually was abandoned. Thank goodness, Gab Marcotti. Is All right, this was a bit farcical, wasn't it? A bit crazy. An absolute uh, tell joke. us what happened. But, uh, but expected. So there was four players from Argentina, all, all coming out of the UK, and Brazilian laws because. Brazil is a red light to no. The UK is a red light for yes. Brazilians. Yes, Brazil's reciprocated mm-hmm. without any justification. Anyway, allegedly the Argentine Football Federation people lied mm-hmm. and said that these guys weren't in the UK; they were somewhere <laughs> else, and they've come into Brazil. But and thought they'd get away with it. But the whole thing is they've could have done this before the match, mm. right? Yeah. 
Let, Wait till let, they walk on the pitch. They've walked on the pitch yeah. seven minutes in, <laughs> stop the game, mm. and I don't know what's going to happen. But this is how much these guys really do not like each other. And, and at the moment, Argentina are the Copa America champions, aren't they? Mm. They mm. beat them at home. Yep. And I think this is payback. So yeah, it's farcical. And, and if FIFA, if they're totally over this, they could expel both clubs. Imagine these clubs not in the World Cup. Mm. Saying, countries. okay, you guys are out. They're not clubs, oh, they're clubs countries. countries. Yeah. You, you guys are out. You got So that, that, that's what <laughs> happened. But we had games this morning. Um, in the Euro, the Italians, 37 games now without a loss. So the Socceroos only 27 to go. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll yep. equal this record. So they beat Lithuania 5-0. Smashed them. Mm-hmm. Germany, 4-0 uh, over Iceland. Uh, some of the other scores that have caught my eye, Greece beating Sweden 2-1. That's a game that could have gone either way. That's a massive result yeah. because the Swedes are travelling really well. They've yes. had really good results. And now the, the Greeks, obviously, have got John Van Schip as the head coach, yep. Michael Valkanis, ex-Adelaide mm. United captain, the assistant. Good result for them. Now, what about England-Poland 1-1? Yeah, but England are pretty safe. The the, the Poles scored in the last uh, couple of minutes of injury time. Lewandowski set up the, the equaliser, but uh, great goal by Harry Kane, and I think the Poles have got one of the, probably the worst goalkeepers going around at the top level. Really? Yeah, Szczesny from Juventus. I reckon you should get rid of him. All right, terrible. here's a question for you without notice. You, you know everything about the world of football. Best well, Polish player ever? I said Lewandowski. Boniek. I'm going to agree with you there, mate. Oh, really? Yeah. I beat because that's I, a first. Lewandowski, Lewandowski, he's on the top of my head. Bonnie, a play for Juventus. Yeah, but in that 1982 World Cup, mm. and then he's gone on to create this fantastic career. They won the Champions League, I reckon, mm-hmm. as well, and uh, an icon, an icon mm. of the game. Uh, all right, they, uh, that's what's happening in the World Cup qualifiers around the globe. Uh, before we go, any other hot topics you need to get off your chest, Val? Oh, there's mm. not. Not, not off my chest, but uh, a director at Adelaide United has resigned. Yeah. That's what I understand. Uh-huh. Ian Smith. Has he really? That's what I understand, yeah. Um, what's the story? Not too sure what's behind it, but uh, yeah. He's uh, look at his social media and I think there's not much said about Adelaide United. There's a lot said about other stuff, but he was there for a good two years, I'd mm. say, yeah. as a director. Yep. Big loss for the club. Yeah, He's is. done some good work for them. Mm. But, uh, and obviously... What annoys me right now, this is different, the fixtures. Mm. So we talked about TV, you know, getting... Yep. Yep. The, have you seen the fixtures yet? Well, I think it's got to... Oh, no, they haven't come out yet, but... Well, well, it starts next month. I know, but IFA starts next month. Look at the restrictions in Sydney. No, I don't... Hang, hang on. People have got plans. Yeah, they plan Saturday nights. Well, they plan Friday nights. I couldn't become a member last year because I didn't know what was going on when the games were. So I was buying tickets as they came out because mm. I didn't know if I was working on a game night because the games were coming out every two weeks. But to be fair, in Australia, a league as big as the AFL did it on the run this year as well. Yeah. They they were doing it uh, three weeks in advance yep. and kept doing that as they, as they went. But at least give us a little bit of a start. Say, so, okay, the first three weeks are going to be this. Yeah. Subject yeah. to change. We've got no idea who's going mm. to be the first game, what nights it's got, you know, when's it going to be played. Late in the season, again, I'm just using the AFL as an example, but they were on a Monday telling clubs where to fly to for the next weekend. That's which, where which, we're at. Which, That's where we're at. Which is fine, but there's there's nothing. Yeah. Well, look it, what happened with the FFA Cup. They, well, that's that's cranking up again towards the end yeah, of the month. Yeah, Western Australia, South Australia and Queensland yeah. only at but this But at league. least we had fixtures for that. Mm. And then, and then the other thing too is we're not getting enough information. I think, I mean, I am because obviously I'm on email and I know what's going on, but the public 
a little bit dark at the moment mm. as to the game, which mm. is not a which is not good. Mm. We need we need this big build up now. Getting into a new season, A League and W, the Socceroos are, are running hot. We need a massive build up, and I'm not seeing it at the moment. Mm. All right, you've been listening to the Real Football Show. Enjoy your football wherever you are this weekend.